0: Hello there. This is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10. I'm always joined by Jonathan Armstrong of Cortery. And Jonathan has a lot to say today on predicting with respect to new UK data legislation as well as GDPR, a popular theme. So, Jonathan, I turn it over to you. Well, thanks, Eric.
1: Um, Yes, it's true. We're doing this on the 24th of May. And yesterday, the UK legislation passed on data Protection Data Privacy. And this goes hand in hand with GDPR, the EU-wide legislation, which goes into force tomorrow, Friday, 25th of May. Now, Um, As many of you will know, you probably have to be uh, asleep not to know, GDPR changes the data protection regime across the EU. But countries were given the option of also introducing additional laws, and some bits of GDPR require national legislation as well, for example, the age at which a child uh, is able to consent. So there's still, whilst GDPR applies across the EU, there's still the opportunity for local variants. And so far, about a half dozen countries within the EU have enacted their own legislation, which also comes into effect on the 25th of May. Now, the UK's legislation is hot off the price. It's a huge piece of work, probably about two inches thick when you print it out. And so it's tech law 10, not tech law 5,010, so we won't be going through all of that today. But this is the third piece of specific data privacy legislation that we've had in the UK. We had legislation in 84, uh, 98, and now 2018. There are a couple of things for those avid GDPR watchers that are a bit unusual First of all, the plan was under GDPR that the obligation for an organization to register with a national data protection regulator would be abolished. However, the UK have seen the loss of revenue that this would entail and they've decided not to go with that aspect of the GDPR regime. So the registration requirements still exist in the UK but not in the rest of the EU as yet. So if you have people, premises, or equipment in the UK, you're likely to want to check your registration now. And if you're not registered, you probably want to take advice on whether that needs to be done and whether that's better to do it under the old regime. You've got a very limited window to do that, or under the new. And the other thing that we could perhaps have a quick chat about, Eric, is new criminal offenses. Now, the UK has, uh, as you know, the UK is the lead regulator on the Cambridge Analytica Facebook investigation. And they have looked at some of the powers that the information commissioner, the data regulator, has. And some of those get enhanced, partly as a result of experience in that investigation. And we have, effectively, three new criminal offenses in the legislation uh, which apply uh, from now on the first is an extension of an existing offense of unlawfully obtaining data and the extension is that if you refuse to return it when the data controller so the person who probably gave you the data asks for it back then you create a criminal offense so as an example this could happen let's say, in an internal investigation where you've asked, let's say, a supplier for details of which of its employees were in a certain place at a certain time for your investigation, that supplier asks for the data back. If you don't return it, you could create a criminal offence. There are defences to these offences, but uh, you'd need to be careful in cases like this when you're unlawfully obtaining data or whether you've got data legitimately and somebody asks for it back, and you don't return it. There's a second brand-new criminal offense, effectively of re-identifying anonymized or pseudonymized data. So this might happen, for example, on a website where you have clickstream traffic that helps you sell if you're an e-commerce site or pay back Google if you're on a pay-per-click uh, deal. If you get anonymized data or pseudonymized data, that's data with the identity of people stripped off it, and you try and work out who the individuals are behind that data, then you could commit a new criminal offense. And the third new offense is effectively altering data to prevent disclosure to a data subject after a data subject has made a request. So you might know that under GDPR and under the UK Act, There are a whole host of new rights that individuals have. There's an extended right to make what's called a subject access request to ask for the data that's on them. There is a right to port their data. So let's say, for example, they're with an electricity company and they want to move to a different electricity company. They can port their data across to that new provider. And if you destroy data so that you don't have to deal with their request after you've got a valid request, then again, you could commit a criminal offence. There are some defences to this new offence, what's called the Section 173 offence, if you're doing routine data cleansing. But organisations obviously will need to be very uh, careful about this and probably treat subject access requests as litigation holds uh, in the US environment and freeze uh, their data to, uh, as Whitney Houston might have said, one moment in time so that they're able to respond quickly and comprehensively to that request. So these are just highlights of what's a huge piece of legislation, roughly three times the length of GDPR for those who've read GDPR. Uh, so that's maybe coming in at around 600, 650 pages of legislation together with the uh, attachments, etc. Huge piece of work. I'm sure we'll return to it. But they're my potted highlights from the first couple of hours.
0: (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. Well, you know, we're well over uh, 200 podcasts, and I still learn something new about you every time. I I never knew you were a Whitney Houston fan. But (laughs) I do, if you don't mind, and I know we're trying not to make this tech law 5,000, but I have um, three questions for you since you're obviously quite steeped in this. Hopefully, you're having some free time with your family besides spending all of your time on this. But my first question is, uh, you mentioned the uh, potential criminal offenses. Can you very quickly tell us the types of penalties that one could be subject to for such criminal offenses? That's my first question. Well, the theoretical penalties
1: are high. In practice, we do see um, the, the, the um, offense of unlawfully obtaining data, we do see that in the courts relatively often. Uh, what's uh, going to be called the Section 170 offence, and under under the existing UK data protection Law there's, there's a similar provision, uh, the fines tend to be around about, don't quote me on this, the 7500 to $10,000 level. And that offense tends to be levied against individuals. So this week, for example, we had a recruitment consultant who left employer A to join employer B, took his contact book with him, and was convicted under what, what will become the Section 170 offense. Uh, there's a lot of these uh, offenses committed by healthcare workers who take uh, medical records, maybe for relatives to show another relative, or uh, share it with a um, uh, a friend or a boyfriend or significant other who works for an accident claims company. So these offenses are relatively uh, common at the moment, and as I say, that's a rough, uh, fine range. But don't forget the fact that if you are a healthcare worker and you're committed of uh, and you're convicted of an offense like this the likelihood is that you're never going to work in healthcare again equally if you're in financial services you're an insurer you've taken data you're convicted you're never going to work in financial services again so that so the the actual fine tends to pale into insignificance
0: mm-hmm.
1: against the consequences for the individual of being uh, convicted of that offense it's important to remember that with with these offenses, it's not just individuals, companies can be convicted, and any director, officer, servant, or agent effectively, anybody who's helping running the business in a management context could also be convicted if the the company does something bad.
0: Well done, okay, question number two. You mentioned the, uh, I believe, newly created individual rights. Do you believe those rights will be actively exercised? Absolutely. The,
1: uh, this is sounding rehearsed because I do actually have facts at my fingertips, but genuinely, you didn't <laughs> tell me these questions beforehand.
0: Uh, did didn't you... I did not know these questions until you were them.
1: <laughs> the UK Information Commissioner uh, estimates that in the UK alone, more than 11 million subject access requests have been made under the existing legislation. Now, it's important to remember that under the existing legislation, the a company responding to that request is entitled to charge a fee up to £10. Uh, it's not a high fee, but it puts off, from our experience, about 50% of the individuals that make a request. Under GDPR, in all but the most extreme circumstances, the right to request a fee goes. I think from my point of view, you know, just anecdotally on what I see across my desk, that will at least double the number of subject access requests so I think we can, don't quote me on this, expect around 7 to 8 million in the UK alone subject access requests per annum. If I was a betting man, that's where I'd be putting my money. And of course, there are these new rights like the right to be forgotten, sometimes called the right to erasure, to mention another musical reference, um, <laughs> and the right to data portability. Of course, nobody knows how often they will be used. We see quite a lot of right-to-be-forgotten requests across our desk, particularly from high-net-worth individuals who want to forget their past. So I would say you could probably add, I don't know, at least another half a million, I would think, to that total for these new requests. So they are going to be used significantly. And, of course, data regulators are advertising the fact that people can make these requests. In Dublin, there's been a bus running around the town center commissioned by the uh, data regulator there to advise people of their rights. In the UK, we've had adverts on commercial radio telling people of their new rights, so they will be enforced.
0: One more. I will continue with this deposition as I interrogate you (laughs) in unreversed fashion, but you're doing so well. Uh, Last one. uh, What overall, you know, level of guidance do you have for people in the United States with respect to this new UK data law and I recognize that you're not you're not providing legal advice and we disclaim that's not the case people <laughs> and companies should seek out counsel um, for specific legal advice but can you give any general sense uh, of what we're dealing with here in the US these are the UK data law I think
1: the main thing uh, as the as the short-term action will be to check whether you need to be registered if you've got operations in the UK. If so, you might want to do that PDQ. There have been issues with the register crashing in the last few days, so that isn't a walk in the park, but, but, but address that first, I would say. And then it's the usual sort of things around GDPR presentation, uh, preparations. So make sure is secure, make sure you can evidence security, uh, make sure that all of your employees know how to deal with subject access requests because you don't have to make them in writing anymore. You can make them over Twitter, Facebook. You can walk into a store and exercise them orally, uh, walk into an office, exercise them orally. So make sure all your staff know that if they receive a data subject request, they need to pass that on quickly, particularly because you want to avoid committing this criminal offence. And uh, I'd also say that they need to look at anything new that they're doing with data, there's this process called a data protection impact assessment, which exists both in the new UK law and in GDPR, that's really helpful in reducing risk. And then the final thing I'd say is there are six principles that appear now almost uniformly across data privacy law in the EU. They haven't changed much from the existing legislation, but they're cut out and keep tight principles, print them out stick them by your desk, and if you're doing anything with, the data, with your data, your customer's data, your employee's data, that doesn't match those six principles, then take a moment to think about the consequences. If you do those four things well, you'll deal with, uh, with many of the issues that you'd face under both GDPR and the new UK legislation.
0: That was quite the tour de force, and I do want people to know that Jonathan was not aware of these questions in advance, and he acquitted himself perfectly. So thank you so thank much, you. Jonathan. I would have answered them much
1: more poorly if I'd have known in advance.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <That was laughs> is the key to success. All right. This has been your weekly Tech Law 10. I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can reach me at ejsinrodofdwaynemorris.com. At of course, you can find us in the usual social media outlets. Importantly, Jonathan will give you his contact information right now because he's quite the pro on this subject. Jonathan.
1: Thanks very much, Eric, for those kind words. Jonathan.armstrong at Cordraycompliance.com. And by the way, no need to send me an inane email asking me if I reconsent. You have uh, consent to email me uh, about these podcasts and about GDPR issues in general. Don't fall into that uh, trap of uh, those silly emails. (laughs) Um, And we look forward to catching up with you again in a week or so. Thanks for listening. Cheers.